Welcome to As We Live, a podcast aimed at helping you connect to the living God. Hi, I'm Lyle Martin, and I'm here today with John Martin, John Zimmerman, and Steve Stutzman. And today we are talking about fear. What is it? How does it affect you? And how do you overcome it? So today, as we look at fear, is there a healthy fear and is there an unhealthy fear? Wow, Lyle, it's good to be here with you and John and Steve. It's a real privilege to just be talking about fear. I think it's something that a lot of people are wrestling with. I think, uh, especially with the current events, how to walk through just the different changes, whether you're an employer and, and you have to tell your workers to not come to work, whether you're an employee and you're trying to figure out what to do, you're at home. There's just a lot of new dynamics, and I, I think this is going to be a great conversation of just what does fear look like? How do you how do you walk through that? And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the, the discussion. Well, I think a lot of times people look at fear in a very negative light because it says in Scripture there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath tor- torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And so we get this really, really negative attitude about fear, which is probably right. I mean, we're going to look at a bunch of that here today. And still at the same time, um, I went through all the references to fear in the New Testament and found out that almost half of them are positive. So there is supposed to be some kind of fear in our life, even where it says, you know, fear God, Hmm. honor the king, Um, Mm -hmm. where he says, uh, look at... um, if you know that God judges every man according to his works, past the time you're sojourning here in fear. And it's the same word. It's not like it's a different word in the original. It's the same word. So I'm sitting there looking at that and saying, there is a positive element to fear, but there's also a very, very negative element. And I think we're going to be talking more about that today. Mm-hmm. So what are some examples, Steve, that you've noticed recently of, of some of the negative things of fear? I think mainly because of what's happened, we're we're seeing examples of that. What what are some things that you've been hearing, or or just examples of that? Well, I I don't know if it's necessarily specific to right now, but I uh, because of everything that I was seeing around the whole thing with the virus and all of everything's with that. I looked it up online. It says that forty million Americans are suffering from some form of fear. Wow. Even um, most of them. In, in something that would relate to the medical side, which really fascinated me because that's a lot of people. Forty million is a lot of people. Um, and I know that it is it is a big problem, and to a lot of people, it's all they've known since they were little. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear you, John, just share a little bit about kind of some of the stuff you felt when you were 12 years old or 14. Yeah, as you know, Steve, fear has been a huge thing in my life, unfortunately, ever since I can remember dealing with fear on, on different level, fear of going to bed, fear of talking to people. Actually, talking to people was was a challenge. I'd try to talk to someone, and my blood pressure would go up, and I'd lock up, and and just a real deep uh, spirit of fear that I, I, that I dealt with and has been a long process of overcoming. So fear is definitely something that, that I can relate to on different levels, and, and even fear of failure, just fear of fear, different things like that. So, yeah, that is definitely something that that I'm aware of. And, Steve, a question I have for you is how does that start? I mean, so young, being afraid, um, how does 
how does someone grow up with fear? That's a really good question. I think I'm going to let that one have over for John here. <laughs> well, one of the things that comes to my mind right away when you think about that being back all the way to your childhood is that it can that it can start simply by a total lack of protection and a child ends mm -hmm. up feeling very unsafe, very vulnerable, is not confident that they are protected and even deeper issues, not, not uh, aware that they are, that they're cared for even and that kind of thing. And so I think, and then it starts taking on different forms as life's experiences start agreeing with it or start um, giving them things to work with. Um, and it can take on all sorts of different uh, shapes and sizes and, and to it becomes it varying degrees of um, pretty much influencing somebody's life. And I think for me, like I would, if I was afraid of one thing, my mind would run and it would just compound. And then the next fear. And as I look back, I kind of see this, just this bundle of fear on, on different levels. Yeah. I uh, saw recently, um, what do you call them? Acronym of fear and just the, the idea of it being false evidence appearing real. Mm. And, but then you kind of mix that in with the, with the, with the reality that it's not always false evidence. And I was just sitting here thinking about some of the ways that my life has been affected by fear and I, my mind went back to where I went, went kayaking, whitewater kayaking with some friends. And I was, um, I was the only one that didn't have a, a skirt on over my, the kayak, um, so that the water wouldn't splash into the side. And so my kayak would start taking on water and I would get into the rapids and it would splash in and I would be waterlogged and, and then I would go over. And a couple of times I was out in the middle of this of these rapids kind of hanging onto a rock knowing that I couldn't stay there, that I, at some point I was going to have to let go of that rock and, and hopefully find my way through the rapids to calmer water and get my kayak again and empty it out and keep, keep on going wow. with my friends. And so there, there are points in life where those, if we're living under that spirit of fear that things reinforce it and then it can continue influencing us and using facts to get us to agree with a lie. And something I've found is for someone to just come to me and say, well, don't be afraid. Didn't work. And I've often wondered like, well, how do you help someone or how do you walk through that? Just that compounding fear. How do you, how do you help someone uncover the fact that they might actually be afraid because I know for myself, I didn't know fear was the thing. I knew man, on the outside, yeah, I would lock up. I wasn't able to sleep well. I was afraid of failing. And, and, and I could see the, the, the workings of that. But how do you help someone like myself? Well, I would start out probably by asking, even in this group here, um, Lyle, anybody here, what would you say that fear is? What does it look to you like? What is fear? I mean, obviously it's a feeling, but what is the feeling about? What does it relate to? I heard hmm. I heard somebody say recently that kind of at, at the core or maybe in, included at least in most fear is the fear of death. 
like and it doesn't necessarily mm. mean physical death but sometimes it just means something fear of death in some way or another and it kind of made sense to me in a lot of ways but but just the idea of of something bad is going to happen is kind of one of the things that comes to my mind when i think of fear that's what i was going to say something bad is going to happen that's what i think of when i think of fear for me i think i'm not sure if this is the right answer if there is even can be a wrong answer but for me fear was just like an unknown um, it just the thought of just the unknown, which was, was that fear. I mean, for me, I've always feared surgery and the idea of being put to sleep scared the tar out of me. But a few years ago when I faced that head on, there was no fear there. And I was just like, why was I always afraid of that? That was just <laughs> weird. But I think it's just this unknown thing always um, that creates a feeling. I don't know. Wow, that makes me think of agreements. So was it because you were making agreements back then that you weren't making now or? I guess once you go through it, making an agreement with it is, yeah, you don't, I don't know. I mean, one of the conversations we were having was having, making agreements with fear and then, and, and having basically, yeah, you're agreeing with that fear and, and having more fear, inviting more fear come in. Is that, am I saying that right? Or Well, I think, you know, you can have an experience in the past that you end up projecting into the future. So, like, for an example, you are 7 or 10 years old, and one of your friends drowns in a pond. And then you have a fear of water. And whenever you are around the water, it reminds you of a whole set of horrible feelings, concluding, like John was saying, with a funeral, with a death, with a separation, and all the pain that goes with the separation. And so you have all this stuff back there in your mind, and when you see the water, that comes up. And so you become afraid of the water because of what it can produce in your life. And I think what we don't understand about it is that whenever we are, whenever we are reaching into the past like that, pulling something up and projecting it into the future, that we are actually projecting something bad and evil into the future. It's like there's... There's no uh, fear in love, you know. When we're looking at something into the future and projecting only bad things about it, there's no God in that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. God's not in that picture. And like John was saying, a lot of times it, it relates to something that's, in quotes, true. So you could say, well, what happened back there when I was seven years old and my friend drowned was true. And that's true. That's a historical fact. It's true. But what you are projecting into the idea, uh, into the future, when you when you have the idea that something bad is going to happen if you get in a boat and go fishing with your friends, you're projecting that out there. And that is A, not true, and B, it is not truth. And so you're actually taking something that is a historical fact in the past and projecting it into the future as a lie. And the fear is a liar. I, I'm not sure how else to say it, but I know that, like in, in my life, one of the things that I saw that actually brought, it, it brought pain to me, John. I, I, don't, I don't know if Lyle will identify this or not, but it, it actually hurt me inside to see my boys be afraid of something. 
I take a little three-year-old, put him on a bicycle, and I say, look, we're going to pedal the wheels like this, and we're going to hold the, steer- the handlebars like this. I don't wonder if he's going to fall down. I know he's going to fall down. But I also know that he's going to get up, and he's going to try it again, and then he's going to fall down again. And he, But I know that there will come a time when he will get on that bike and ride without any fear. And so I'm reaching forward to that reality and trying to pull it back here for him now. And the only reality that he can see is, A, I'm going to crash and burn. The present. <laughs> B, yeah, the present. But it's, I mean, it's still future because he hasn't started pedaling yet. So I'm going to fall down, uh, first of all. Secondly, when I fall down, I'm going to feel like a failure. And then see if I am a failure, then my dad is going to reject me. And I will be separated and I will be in the depths of depression and a little hell hole. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go down that hole, so I don't want to get on the bike. And I'm sitting there saying none of those things are true. None of them. I already know when I put him on the bike that that evening, every time he tries, he's going to fail. I already know that. It doesn't bother me at all. And I know that when we're done, we're going to go in the house and eat supper, and he's going to be my son, and he's going to be okay. And I'm going to love him. But see, he doesn't. He doesn't somehow or another. So he begins to project some of that bad stuff out there, and it's the projection of the bad stuff that gets us in trouble. Wow, I really like that, Steve. And I, I'm thinking right now, just with the current events, how do you – okay, so it's it's easy to talk about things in the past. It's easy to talk about – it's just easy to talk. But how do you put it into practice when you're actually dealing with it now? For example um, – not being able to go to work and those same thoughts of how can I provide for my family? Will I be able to provide for my family? How do am, am I able to get out of the house? Do I have enough of toilet paper? You know, how do you, how do you deal with, how do you walk through that? Like, because I think that's a current thing that a lot of people could identify with. How do you walk that out? I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, one of the things that I think about when, when, I look at current events and realizing that everybody is handling them based on past experiences and, and, and in varying degrees. And so my encouragement would be is to not beat yourself up if you feel like you're not handling the situation right, but allow yourself to be honest with what is going on and then and then spend time in the presence of God with the truth to figure out where the lies are coming at. And, and I, even saying this, I know that it might not be totally reassuring, but at some point we have to, to recognize where we are and deal with, with the situation. And hopefully we have people around us that can kind of walk with us in it. Um, but really learning to recognize that the way we respond is usually based on things that are influencing us uh, from past experiences or uh, f- thought patterns or things like that. Yeah, I think like John is saying that, that there is a an element there where if somebody has an experience in life and they don't feel protected, 
And then they have another experience and they don't feel protected. And they have another experience and they're not protected. And they have another experience they're not protected. Pretty soon they're going to have a fear of living. They're going to have a fear of moving forward at all because their experience has taught them you're not protected. So if, if there's no spiritual protection in the home, there's no emotional protection. If there's no connection, then the children are going to have a tendency to move forward just in fear. And we, you know, we see that right now in the whole pandemic thing mm-hmm. with people. You know, the only thing that they can actually control <laughs> is making sure they have enough toilet paper. So they rush out and just clean everything out, you know, and it's like. What actually are you going to do with all that toilet paper? But it's an effort to get a hold of something that we can control. There, There is a really, really, really big connection between the element of fear and the element of control. The most controlling people generally are people who are living out of fear. Going back to what you were sharing there, Steve, with um, teaching your son how to ride bike, it kind of reminded me a few weeks ago I took my four-year-old niece out to our place to watch her for a few days. And when I went to pick her up, she was very afraid to get in the vehicle with me. And so I picked up my phone and I um, FaceTimed my wife and held it up to her and said, hey, look, you know what, can you encourage her to come along? And the children are running around there and like, oh, we can't wait for you to come because we're going to get on the trampoline and we're going to do all these fun things. And you could see in her eyes she really wanted to be there. But there was something about getting in that vehicle she just clung to her dad. She didn't want to go. But eventually we just kind of had to force her because she had to, to go along. But fast forward that to someone, say, 20 years down the road, and you see someone who is afraid to get into a vehicle to go to where God is calling them to. How do we as an adult, what are some ways that we can encourage someone to step over that fear? And whenever we can see, you know, the better Thing that they're going to be walking into, but some, you know, how do we encourage someone to just step over that fear and go where God's calling them? I think Lyle, just to something I'm experiencing lately is I think Steve mentioned the faith, you know, and, and not projecting, like I try to figure things out. Okay. So current reality for me is just, well, the unknown, not knowing what, what is ahead of me. And, and I can't necessarily figure those things out. And I feel like I have the choice to give in to the fact that I don't know what's going to happen and give into that fear or surrender. And, and for me, it's, it's saying, Lord, this is about you. I, I give up my need to understand. And that brings peace for me. Like that for me just brings peace in knowing that I don't have to figure things out. I don't understand the whole process of, of, Getting there, for me, it's a journey. It's walking with God, and there's a lot more of that that I want. But that's that's kind of current for me. Do you feel like there was something that someone said to you that helped you get to that place, or what do you feel from your Yeah, experience? I feel like there was probably a lot of people that have helped me because it's been a real journey for me. I mean, for me, it's it hasn't been an overnight thing. There's been overnight, there's been times where I've had overnight, like, wow, that fear isn't there anymore. But then there's there's like this growing. I feel like there's this maturation or maturity process that, that God is just walking with me in fear. And I'm not at the point anymore where I'm afraid of what am I going to be afraid of next, which is something I had. Like I knew that when I would overcome one fear, there would be another fear. Or like, well, tomorrow I'm going to deal with something different. 
and I feel like there's just been a lot of victory in that. And I would say that that has to do with just spiritual strongholds in my life that may have given right to some of that. I'm not sure how to explain all of that, but um, I feel like for me, it's it's daily having to agree with the Father and not giving in to fear. But that's easier said than done. That's the way I find it. I'm curious, John, Steve, what do you think? I think one of the things that would be helpful to help somebody deal with something from their past is to um, help them process it and maybe even validate that there was something real there that caused them to fear and then examine it and, and lay, look at the way that it seemed true and lay truth beside it and help them just look at that. I think it's good even to self analyze some of our own uh, situations and later on kind of looking back. Cause like when I was in the middle of that, river in the hanging on to that rock it probably wouldn't have done a lot of good for somebody to come along and say hey you're going to hurt yourself if you keep doing that um or you know why are you afraid there's nothing to be afraid of well yeah there was um and so sometimes to recognize that you know there were things that that had a legitimate right to cause the fear but then when we look at it and and start kind of examining it and saying well the the whole, um, the way it affected me is, is based on some untruths then as well and start uh, processing and examining and dealing with it. And, and I, I firmly believe in the power of prayer and that when we come to recognize some of these things, we go to the father in prayer and deal with them very, uh, purposefully, very detailed, and and because we believe that Jesus is enough, um, and so sometimes to to actually um, uh, live that out is to go in prayer and deal with things, and then things will shift uh, going forward. To go along with that, I think this is a topic by itself. But honesty, being honest with yourself, I find it hard to be honest. Like, what am I honestly feeling? You know, like how do I ask God for help? with this specific thing that I'm, that I'm dealing with. And so I feel like just the topic honesty is, is something that I want to grow in. Sometimes I find it hard to even know what's going on. What are those mm-hmm. inner conflicts? I think one of the things that I see with the whole thing of fear, and the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And one of the things that I see with this with this whole thing is, you know, I'm looking at somebody like, oh, you could look back at one of the Anabaptist martyrs. You look at Paul sitting in prison in Rome and knowing that his trial's coming up and that he's probably going to be offered, mm. as he says. And looking at that whole scene and not feeling any fear because of a position. Because he closed his eyes and and shut out everything in this world. And he would go into this place, into this throne room of God, mm-hmm. with all of the great cloud of witnesses all around and all of the angels. And in his spirit, walk right up there to that throne and sit down on the lap of Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And in that place, what exactly is there to fear? Because he knows, God knows that the number one fear is a fear of separation. And so he told us, Jesus told us when he was here, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And Paul talks about it and says, who's going to separate me from the love of God? What's going to separate me? And he names everything, height, depth, any other creature, you know, demons, hell, it doesn't matter what it is. Nothing is going to separate me from that. So I'm always going to be connected to that, and that becomes the security. So that no matter what happens in this situation, no matter what happens with this virus, no matter what happens around me, no matter what happens in the culture, no matter what happens to our nation, no matter what happens to anything, my security was never in my citizenship here anyway. (laughs) My security is in knowing that when this is over, I am going to be seated in Jesus Christ in heavenly places, period. My body may still be walking around in the earth or may not. doesn't really matter because <laughs> I know where I'm going to be either way. And that becomes a security that just pulls the rug out from underneath all the fear. What is there to be afraid of? It seems to me like that, that kind of is the end of, of fear is identity. Mm. Identity yeah. in Christ really is the end of the fear. And then what ends up happening a lot of times in our life is there are there are normal things that God put into our life. Like if you see a rattlesnake, <laughs> you should feel something. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you don't, you know, yeah. Something has gone wrong with you. Okay. <laughs> so you know, if, if you're a mother and you see one of your children out here going across the sidewalk and going out onto that road, you need to feel something. Those feelings were put there by God, and you need to feel something pretty severe, and you need to take off after those feelings. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, if you use that natural inclination as an excuse to hold on to a spirit of fear, and you are paranoid seven days a week, 24 hours a day, about whether or not your children are going to be okay? That's not from God. Somewhere that whole thing has become satanic. You've taken something that started out as something from God, and and the devil got a hold of it and twisted it until it became something in your life that is the opposite of God, and that will actually keep you from peace and rest. And I think a lot of times we get confused with where that line is. Where's the line between, you know, something that's natural, uh, you know, like you shouldn't be driving 90 miles an hour on an icy road. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. you should have some natural sense about it. And the people that are just have white knuckles all the time when they're driving down the road and there's a snowflake in the air, those things are miles apart and you really don't have to live there. But how do you get there? How How do you go from just that... Good fear, I mean, that wanting to protect your child to the the paralyzing white knuckled all the time. What what? How do you, how do you get there? Well, I think there's that answer is probably different for every person oh. uh, because every person has different things that influence sure. them. But I think what you were saying earlier about honesty, 
um, about accepting the truth of what God says. I think it's so important to, to say, okay, what, what's normal according to God. And, and that's, uh, yeah. Um, but we, it's hard to know sometimes, but I think there's enough of, of, of an, we can get a pretty good idea if we're, if we're seeking the Lord in some of these things to, to say what's normal there and then be honest with, well, this is what, this is apparently what God says is normal, but I'm way over here. So I'm going to start exploring, you know, what is in between. And, and sometimes it is good to go help to uh, talk to somebody that maybe has some more experience or life experience or whatever um, to start processing and start facing and being, being real um, and, and not trying to hide and trying to be normal in everybody else's eyes or not wanting to be, um, you know, abnormal to anybody else, but just, yeah, let's be, let's be real. I think being honest, there's a level of fear in being Mm -hmm. honest, right? So I'm thinking fear, honesty, like just being honest, there's, you know, what's, what are you going to think about me if I tell you that, you know, this, this and that, and, and, and just those different levels of fear. So I don't know, for me, I, I came to a place where I was desperate. Like it was, I was very broken and so I don't know if sometimes you have to come to a point like that or, or what. I guess a question I would have is, is it possible for a good fear to turn to a bad fear, a healthy fear to, to unhealthy fear? And if so, how? Well, we, you hear about it um, with different events happening. And one of the things that comes to mind, I don't know why, is riding horse or something like that if somebody falls off and some people say the best thing to do to conquer that is to get back on pretty quick. And so I think sometimes when we, like if I would have taken that experience uh, in my kayak and would have left that turn to something where I didn't ever get back in it. And I, you know, the minute I got out of the water, I would say, I am never doing that again. Um, And, you know, sometimes those what we would call inner vows, I think, come into play with some of this stuff. We experience something and we say, you know, I will never do that again. Or, or, and we just allow where it's good to not just go down a white water river and just, you know, run into the rocks. There's a, there's a healthy fear that comes along with it. Be prepared um, with what, with what you're going into and have some, it is helpful to have some knowledge about some things that you're going to do and that takes away the the um, the unknown, although uh, we quickly realize that we can never take away the all the unknowns in life, um, and so that can become an unhealthy fear of trying to control, like Steve was saying, to a place where we don't ever have anything happen to us that that we don't have under our control. But it, yeah, just healthy fears of concern turning into something that controls us in an unrealistic way. I don't know. Well, one of the things I wanted to bring up here about fear, um, there's a story in the Old Testament about uh, when the children of Israel crossed the River Jordan, they went in and they they, uh, took over this city, Jericho, and they didn't actually attack the city. They marched around it seven times. And the last day, of course, they marched around it seven times in one day, and then they shouted, and the walls fell down, and they took over the city. Following that, the next city that they came up against, 
was the city of AI. The city of AI was so small and looked so easy to overcome that only a few people were sent in. Only only a handful of soldiers, they, they sent a, a few of the soldiers over there to take the city. And they got badly spanked, and some of them got killed, and they got sent back home. So after they're done with all the funerals, they decide, we're going to have to have more people. So they take more people, a bigger force, and they go over there, and they lose again. Then when they come back that time, Joshua falls on his face and he's crying out to God and saying, God, why is this horrible thing happening to us? And God says, get up off your face. What are you doing on your face? Get up off your face. The reason you're losing this battle is because of sin. And it was in that scenario then that they drew lots and they came down to Achan and the things that he had hid in his tent. One of the things that I find very, very consistently when people have a serious problem with fear that they cannot get over the top of, and I'm talking about a serious problem. I'm not just talking about somebody being afraid that they're not going to be able to pay their rent or something. I'm talking about a serious problem with fear. Panic attacks and hyperventilations and all kind of things like that, and high levels of fear, is that somewhere buried in their tent is something from witchcraft. And you can sit there and work all day long with the fear and make zero headway until you go back to the tent and dig up that Babylonish garment <laughs> and get rid of that mm-hmm. so that there can actually be a freedom to get rid of fear. And I, there's, a, there's a definite connection between fear and witchcraft, a huge connection. That's why so many places today where you go, in the world where people where where witchcraft is rampant, you go to some com- country or culture where there are witch doctors around, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you will find the people completely ruled by fear. Somebody dies; they won't go out of the house after dark. You can just you know I can tell you stories all day long, but you've already heard the stories. People ruled by fear. Because of the presence of witchcraft, there is a definite connection between fear and the spirit world. There's a reason that the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And many times, if people go through their life and clean out the other garbage, you can have them repent of fear, renounce it, take authority over it, bang, their whole life will rotate. But that's not necessarily always true. Sometimes there are other things involved in their life that are causing this. And God, you know, by his Holy Spirit, wants to bring healing into our life so that we can live without that kind of fear. So, Steve, are you saying that fear is the fruit of other things or a combination of both? Or, I mean, I'm thinking in my own life, dealing with a lot of the other things that, that you mentioned, because I think fear affects a lot of other areas in your life. But now I'm thinking of, like, was that just was that fruit of witchcraft or whatever else in my life or what would you say to like is it the fruit is it the root is it both what's well, kind of like the element of iniquity it goes before and comes behind it will mm-hmm. go before a sin and it comes behind a sin so it's a little bit hard for you to say is this a root or a fruit because it could be either one it could be both or it could be neither fear is uh, the, the emotion of fear when it rises up mm-hmm. releases all kinds of chemicals in your body. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a doctor, nor do I pretend to be one. 
But if you are going out hunting and you open the door of your truck and, and start putting your foot out and you hear a noise and look down and see a rattlesnake, you're going to feel something. Mm-hmm. And that feeling that shoots through you, fear, releases a whole bunch of chemicals, and among them are adrenaline, <laughs> that, you know, gives you all this just <laughs> almost like superhuman, mm-hmm. you know, strength that, that you're just all of a sudden like... <gasps> That, all of that is put in place by God. It's part of creation. It's part of the way we were made. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is lo- living in a low level of fear over an extended period of time, the same body and the same glands will release low levels of these chemicals into your bloodstream and oh, those low levels over a long period of time will wreck you. They'll wreck your health. They will cause all kinds of physical problems are related to these low levels of chemical that are coming into people's life by fear. And I don't think we realize in our culture today how much fear has become a mainstream thing hmm. that is actually causing multitudes of problems, physical problems in people's lives. We go to the doctor because we have this or that or the other thing. Sometimes there's fear. Wow. And I think it affects a lot of areas of our life. Like for me, rejection, you know, feeling rejected and and just the fear around that fear that I'm not good enough. How does, so I'm just thinking like, you know, say someone can identify with rejection or, or wasn't accepted or tried to find acceptance or whatever. Does that produce fear or does fear produce rejection or like, or, I mean, to me, I feel like it's more complex than just saying, Hey, I'm going to deal with fear or John, how, how have you find it? Or what, what do you think? Well, I think if you want to, if you picture a wall with a vine growing on it Mm, wow, and there's a lot of different branches and, and different and sometimes different types of vines and that kind of thing. And they're inter twined so a lot of a lot of what you're talking about is yeah so wrapped around each other that to to truly get to the bottom of some of these things it takes some honesty again and just um maybe even some some humility to just get to a point where we say okay i don't have things all figured out um but i'm going to get with somebody maybe it's just a friend that cares and just talk, talk about things and seek the Lord in it. Again, I can't, I can't stress enough just intentionally coming before the father mm-hmm. and, and um, in prayer and just asking him for direction and then sitting there and just having a conversation and the, and the Holy spirit can, can use the conversation or go around the conversation that we're having and bring things to our attention that will help us um, or help get us to a place where God can show us what's going on. Cause we, we really need him to show us what's going on because we don't have a clue mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yeah, that's definitely true for me. I mean, walking out freedom, walking in freedom has definitely been a huge journey for me. When I first went to someone for help dealing with this fear it took me several visits just to be able to talk about it because I was so 
I had I had fear that they wouldn't listen to me. Right. I had fear that I was abnormal. I had fear that it's only me. So there were so many lies wrapped around the rejection and what's my problem. Just a lot of voices like that. And uh, I think, uh, yeah. So for me, it, it was it's definitely been a journey. It's been over time, and thankfully, there's been there's been men that have taken the time to walk with me through through that, which I think is the beauty of of uh, brotherhood, friendship, mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, really, this my journey started with one of my brother-in-laws just noticing that incredible uh, uh, fear in my life and just the effects of it and just kind of coming up and saying, look, I'll walk through some of this with you. And that was just an incredible start of my journey, what, 10 12 years ago now? Well, living in fear that long in your life, it ends up being like a blanket, like a baby's blanket that they're pulling around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you take that away from them, they don't know where well, to be because yeah. it's their security blanket. And so if you lived with fear for that long, somebody reaches in and starts pulling that away, um, it's pretty easy for that person not to look like your friend yeah. <laughs> for a little yeah. bit because you start to wonder, who am I going to be if I'm not afraid? Because being afraid becomes what keeps you safe. And the idea of being able to live without being afraid, it's like, what, what would keep me safe? Mm-hmm. So what is the opposite of fear? When we learn to walk through this and learn to understand that we can walk in freedom of fear, then what? Lyle, I think of my, my little three-year-old, you know, and just the way he trusts me in And I long for that with God. Like I long to just be a little boy when it comes to my walk with God, basically just trusting him. And I know that that's probably a a generic answer, but really inside and just walking that out, I I don't want to have to figure everything out, but just rather fear comes down to that. Like not knowing what the future holds, not knowing, hey, a lot of things that I deal with is like, well, how much more, how many more layers of me need to be dealt with? And sometimes there's, there's anxiety around that, or sometimes there's just kind of a dread or a weariness with that. But to understand that this is a journey and it's actually in love that God would come and walk us through these layers of, of things that need to change in our life. And so I think that's the opposite of fear, trusting. What do you think, Steve? Before we started here, I threw something out um, to see what people think about fear. So I was reading some of the comments um, here and, and questions that people have about fear. And, and somebody asked, you know, why is it so attractive? I don't know if it's the element of control, if being afraid of something makes us feel like we're in control. Mm. And if we release that, then we're no longer in control. I'm not sure what it is that makes makes it attractive and and I'm never quite sure um I I remember being I don't know probably 10 years old and there was a there was a guy staying at our place and he was telling me about all the ghosts and goblins that are in the dark and how if you go out there they're going to grab you and all this and that and I just laughed at him I said there's that's not the way it is and and he said well you know if you if you go out here and walk around the machine shed in the dark you never come back again wow so I said, really? <laughs> I put my, we were upstairs there. I put my clothes on. I went outstairs or went outside, walked around the machine shed, came back again. <laughs> and I'm not sure where all that fear comes from, but for him, 
just the idea of facing that fear was enough to send him. I mean, he just couldn't even imagine dealing with it. And and in our world, um, it was abnormal to live in that kind of fear. And I'm not really sure. I mean, I know personally, if I if I run across somebody that has that kind of fear, we'll kind of work around their life a little bit and try and figure out what the roots of it are. Is is there was there experiences that happened? Was there involvement in occult? Was there this? Was there that? Was there other thing? Try and figure out where it comes from. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have them just go to God and say, God, I have bought into a lie. I have believed bad things about the future, and I have spoken them. And I repent of that. And I bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ and put it under the blood, and I renounce it. It's not like it's horribly complicated. And then we just take authority over that spirit of fear and tell them, tell it to leave. And that, that's what seems to me like changes people's lives. John, do you want to go ahead and wrap us up with a prayer here? Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for meeting us here today, for just speaking to us and through us. And we pray that you would bless uh, what agrees with you and make it go forth and accomplish what you want it to accomplish. We thank you, Father that you never change, that there is um, a just um, that, tr- that truth is based on you and that it, it is unchangeable and that we can know that uh, there are things that are safe and secure and unchanging in our world. And, Father, I pray that everyone that is struggling with this, uh, with anxiety and fear right now would just turn to you and allow you to speak peace over them in the name of Jesus Christ, and that there would be a, a reality of, of heavenly truth that comes down and settles over them and helps them to, to identify uh, what, what is uh, true and what is a lie. And so we just thank you, Father, that you care about what we're going through and that you do want to meet us right where we're at. You don't ask us to get to a certain place before you can meet us, but you want to meet us right where we are. And so we just yield to you, Father, and recognize that you're the one that has the answers. And we just pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us and show us where we are being held back from seeing you. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for being an awesome God, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to As We Live. To submit questions, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at As We Live Podcast. Mm-hmm.